Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Beautiful, Bart. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey. Uh, Bart and I are on the road, and Bart, this is exactly why I like going on the road. Right. I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, Somewhere where we haven't been, right, with a totally different perspective, right. You know, any ideas that you have of what anything might be is, you know, you have to re, you have to relook at everything, right. Well, incredibly beautiful and photogenic. Yeah. Um, I'm in not, heaven. Not I'm in a, heaven right now. Yeah, not a monoculture of just vines everywhere. I mean, we're right. amongst uh, pines and oak forest here. A couple cork oak trees around. Right. Um, pretty right. special. Pretty special yeah. place on earth. So why don't you tell them where we are? Well, Brian? we're on Howe Mountain, and we're here with Tom Inners from Cliff Family Winery, and we are glad to have been invited up to this spot rather than down in the taste room. I think this is uh, this is preferred for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we're in a, I your office, which I can't believe <laughs> it is your office. I need to reevaluate my my career, obviously. <laughs> and uh, Tom, you know, we, why don't you go ahead and give people a little history of, um, you know, people, if people have never heard of or haven't been to Cliff Family Winery, they might know Cliff the name from Cliff Bar. Absolutely. But probably a lot of people don't know that... Um, that you're in the wine business as well. And how did that all come about? Sure, sure, sure. And and if you could give it a little background on the the family because um, even even Cliff Bar started out of like a passion mm -hmm. that wasn't necessarily making Cliff Bars, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So for us, um, again, the passion has, has always kind of been food and wine. Um, so discovery of Howe Mountain um, from our owners was largely by bike and through a love and passion of, of food and wine and kind of the discovery of that and seeing how far it would take you. Um, so kind of their history with, with food and wine uh, largely comes from uh, travel. A lot of um, travel to Italy by bicycle. Um, places like the Dolomites kind of yeah. being a real special place where our owners, uh, Gary and Kit, uh, continue to go back. And um, But again, this was kind of an aha place um, for food and wine for them in their own discovery. Uh, and then through bicycles is really how, you know, the bridging the gap between, you know, cliff bars that you know and love of, you know, throwing a couple in a backpack for a hike or, or what have you, um, kind of combines with, um, with a love of, of outdoor adventure, right. um, cycling, and then um, food and wine. Because again, I, I, I drink the Kool-Aid myself as far as biking and, and right. you know, going out there and, and having right. an adventure. And then when you're able to, you know, put forth the calories to have a have that extra glass of wine or that extra <laughs> helping of something uh, on your plate, that, that makes it all worthwhile. Right. I've uh, always said the reason why I ride bikes is so I can, so I don't have to change my diet. <laughs> <laughs> ride further just in, right. in place of eating less right right yeah it, it is totally and you know if i ride an extra 10 miles i can have another beer that's right i i subscribe to the same thinking um so yeah so again our owners uh 
couple by the name of uh, Gary Erickson and his wife, Kit Crawford. Uh, they live up here on Howe Mountain. So oh. where we sit here today, again, this is our Cold Springs property on the southwest side of Howe Mountain. And they live about five miles from us, uh, just adjacent to our, our working farm. We have a five-acre certified organic farm Whoa. up here on property, um, as well as a sister vineyard uh, that also has some Cabernet and Zinfandel planted to it. Um, and it's a place that they discovered. It's a place that um, they've raised their kids. Um, and and it's it really is home, both by way of our vineyard property, you know, the food that we're growing and eating ourselves and, and a place that really has this quiet solitude and, and, you know, some peacefulness about 16, 1700 feet above how, or uh, above Napa Valley. Yeah. And, and for those of you that don't know exactly where Howell mountain is, it would be on the East side of the Valley, um, just North of St. Helena and South of Calistoga. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a, uh, there's a college up here, um, Pacific Union College. Yep. Um, so there's there's is like this little community call a community up here. Um, there's not a lot in the community. Maybe a couple stores and and it's mainly college and college students, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of these kind of smaller five to ten acre parcels of land where some people grow grapes and some people just live. And yeah. Whatnot. As far as a town up here, it's it's the college. It's right. It's a supermarket. I dare I say supermarket. It's it's a grocery store. That, right. I mean, the back half is an Ace Hardware. Okay. Uh, just to paint the picture, <laughs> right. old school. Uh, and then it's got a post office. Right. That I was I was telling yeah. Brian, you know, it, it it's a Seventh Day Adventist community up right. here. So the post office is closed Saturdays, open Sundays. Right. Okay. Kind of a of novel concept, but. Yep. Like I said, if you need that uh, that Christmas package to go out uh, to Grandma in time, and you, you run up here and send it out on on Sunday night, uh, they can see to it. That might be it might help on Tax Day also. <laughs> That's when right. Yeah, it falls on a Sunday. Yeah. Why is there so much there's traffic today? Yeah, <laughs> on April what is it fifteenth or whatever? Yeah, and there's also no there's no beer or wine sold in that grocery store. Is there? Well, we not, talked yeah. about this because I was telling Tom that the, the last time I was up here, I was staying on staying on a vineyard a duckhorn vineyard and that someone was nice enough to let a bunch of crazy kids this has got to be 20 years ago um stay up here and and we got up here kind of moved everything into the house and then went down to the store and we're like get some coffee oh there's no coffee wait let's grab some wine there's no wine Uh, i need a pack of smokes nope (laughs) so this yeah we were like where are we (laughs) yeah (laughs) we were like surrounded by grapes and we're thinking okay this is gonna be fun and so i think yeah we had to we had to go down a little bit uh towards civilization yeah it is funny for it being just you know a quick 15 20 minutes outside of saint helena it really feels like you're in another world um both by temperature agriculture and and just kind of the feeling up here on how mountain right and so the the organic farm that you mentioned and all the vineyards are certified organic and just want to make Mm -hmm. sure to give that um a shout out to that um they're growing vegetables just for your own culinary programs and um, for the food truck down in St. Helena? Exactly. So um, for it's it's all kept in-house. So it's um, produce that we're growing for, like I said, the, the food truck. Uh, essentially, it's a farm-to-food truck, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, so it's produce that we're farming year-round. Um, we've got a really, um, really strong culinary program where, again, we can grow this beautiful produce and have it show up on our plate yeah. and tell the story of, of the farming and 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 
and the story behind it. It's awesome. Um, so beyond just you know produce as far as you know peppers, onions, anything in season, tomatoes. We've had a really good tomato and uh, melon mm-hmm. season here. Mm-hmm. We're also doing things like hot sauces. We make our own olive oil. Um, Spice mixes, uh, we'll probably do between a dozen and 15 different jams and preserves throughout the calendar year, mm-hmm. working with fruit trees uh, on our property as well as some other local farms um, as a way of kind of preserving the season and letting those flavors speak to our wines. Yeah. So, so, so how does that happen from, okay, we have a successful company making Cliff Bars and we want to get into the wine business. Um, but what is that like at the beginning? Is it, hey, let's let's get some vineyards, let's hire a winemaker, let's get a property, or is it let's start really slow, or is it, hey, we got a ton of money, let's just jump in and and go crazy? Yeah, so again, going kind of backwards, um, how this all kind of came together was really through just a passion of food and wine, honestly. Um, So Gary and Kit kind of discovered How Mountain as an escape from where, you know, they sort of lived and grew the cliff business down in Berkeley and Emeryville. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was coming up here uh, again, great cycling here in the local area. Um, and then, um, just, um, I mean, what, I guess what I'm asking is how quickly did it become what it is today? Or was it just at the beginning, sort of a, an idea of let's, let's make some wine for our friends. I mean, exactly. or, or was it immediately, Hey, let's create a lifestyle brand that's sort of, uh, built around wine. No, it, it, it's something that grew, um, quite slowly and quite naturally, just kind of as an extension of Gary and Kit in their own hospitality and welcoming friends and family to their home. Mm-hmm. Um, so the property that they live on, um, had a little bit of Zinfandel planted essentially in the front yard where, Gary's favorite varietal is Zinfandel. Nice. And so it was a matter of, hey, this this sure looks like home. I mean, there's there's my favorite grape variety here in the front yard. And right. then it was very quickly, you know, how do we make some wine from this? Which, right. again, living in Napa Valley, you can go to the supermarket. I mean, you walk into uh, Sunshine or even Safeway down in St. Helena, you go in trying to buy eggs and milk and you bump into three winemakers in the process of doing it. Yeah. So there's no shortage of, you know, people with an education in making wine and, and who are really good at it that, Hey, I've got this small vineyard. I want to make some wine. Um, and so it essentially kind of grew out of a house wine where, you know, huh. this is our house red. We're drinking the Zinfandel ourselves. Right. Um, and they have a, a genuine love of entertaining and they're very welcoming people. And so it was a matter of enough people kind of coming through their home and trying this wine saying, Hey, you know, Gary and Kit, this wine's delicious. How do I get some that it sort of snowballed from there of, you know, bottle or two here for some friends or a case or two here and, and sort right. of grew from there. Um, and are they still are making today? that Zinfandel? Um, so we will taste this today. So we make a, um, what we call our estate Zinfandel. Uh-huh. Uh, it again, takes a nod towards Italy as we call it La Colina. Um, as kind of a reference to the Hills. Um, and so that is going to be an extension of, of what that first Zinfandel vineyard is and was and how we've kind of grown it there. And, and so that is going to be kind of an integral part to our lineup that kind of tells what we're doing from a Zinfandel side of things here on Howe Mountain, which okay. I also really enjoy because it really speaks to the history of Howe Mountain, which I think is a piece that um, 
shouldn't be overlooked in kind of the expression of these wines and, and, and others um, of, you know, how did we all get here, right? I mean, who were kind of the, the forefathers or who, who blazed the trails for us to do this here today? Yeah, who was up here first and was it, was it mostly Zinn or most, because a lot of people think of Zinn when they think of Hell Mountain, a lot of people think of Cab. Exactly, so in the reading that I've done, um, Howl Mountain goes back really to like the late 1850s, early 1860s, um, and there was actually a small gold rush and big mining boom up here on Howe Mountain. Um, And with it, it actually brought a lot of uh, Italian immigrants who, you know, brought different trades and skills in agriculture, and then also with them brought a lot of, you know, um, plantings, um, to, to initially, yeah. yeah, cuttings to, to put uh-huh. here in the ground. Um, so again, you saw Zinfandel is really the king of Howe Mountain for quite some time, and it wasn't till say you know the 21st century that you really saw Cabernet and maybe the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s really kind of evolve here in Napa and then also creep its way up here in Howe Mountain. Um, but that said, you still see a lot of um, very historic vineyards up here on Howe Mountain. Um, for example, we work with the Beatty Ranch, the mm-hmm. Beatty family, um, in which um, they have a 104-year-old vine-age Zinfandel vineyard still in wow. the ground. Um, yeah, between them, Black Sears, there, there's wow. been some really great um, examples of Zinfandel up here on Howe Mountain. And the thing too is the expression of Zinfandel on Howe Mountain, it takes on its own characteristics. Just with the volcanic soils and the cooler temperatures, it's less of that really inky, jammy, high alcohol kind of in your face, slap your mama style of, right. of Zinfandel. Right. And more of almost this. Slap your mama. That's a new one. That's a new yeah. one for me. <laughs> mom. To all the moms out there. You. Yeah. I love you, mom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so a little more kind of Cabernet-esque in its refinement of its tannins, huh. um, a little more kind of red fruited, um, a little, again, a, I also find that it's very dynamic in its pairing with food. Um, again, a little more of that hands-off approach. Um, okay, well, I'm dying to try it, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it yet okay, because okay. I do want you to touch base real quick on the first two wines. Which, sure. before, when we walked around the property a little bit, you poured us a rosé. Yes, and then, beautiful Grenache rosé. Yeah, yeah, and then there's a second wine here, another white wine. Sure. Um, so again, I think that for most people that have first exposure to Cliff family. Um, one of our most popular wines is our Rosé of Grenache. Um, again, this is a wine that really lends itself to our ability to to pair wines with food. Because again, for us, if there's anything that wines have to answer to, it's less so critics or scores, and it's the food on the table. Um, we enjoy these wines at home with our own friends and family, and I'm an avid cook, love cooking, and love sharing these wines in the context of food. Right. Um, the last thing you want is, you know, you, you spend all afternoon preparing, cooking, you sit down, you open the bottle of wine, and the wine just overpowers all of the work that you've done. Or even, right. you know, here we are in Napa and Sonoma County with some of the greatest produce on earth that I'm willing to stand behind. And, and again, if you just throw a wine at it that overshadows all that, right. what's the point? Right. So this rosé of Grenache is a great way to kind of with respect to that. Um, so this is, like I said, one of our most popular wines. So um, we start with a little bit of that. Um, and give us, so will you 
um, give us the website so people, if they're listening, can kind of pull it up and, and check out. It's a very, I love the website, actually. Uh, is you. it is it cliffffamilywinery.com? It's uh, just cliffffamily.com. Cliffffamily.com, okay. And it is worth noting that cliff is with one F. Right. C-L-I-F family.com. Right. Um, and again, the, the cliff side of things, again, Gary, his name is Gary and Kit is Kit, but Gary, um, cliff comes from uh, Gary's father. His name was Clifford for whom he named the Cliff Bar Got it. after. Okay. okay. Um, so that's how that comes in. So Cliff okay. with one F, uh, clifffamily.com. Uh, and, and give us price points because one thing that sort of surprised me is that you've made these very affordable sure. to everyday drinkers. Yes. Yeah. Um, Which when you think of Napa is not what immediately comes to mind. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so the rosé here is um, just $26 a bottle. Yeah. Uh, and it's a matter of get it while you can. Uh, we release this wine every year uh, come um, Valentine's Day. And it's a matter of... It's a good of, day for a rosé yeah, release. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we'll release it then. And um, it's just a matter of how long does it last. Right. Um, again, we enjoy this in the summertime um, with food or, or here in, in, in early fall. It's, it's yeah, we're nice We're year-round rosé drinkers. Yeah, pretty much. So, Winemakers, I, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm a year-round rosé drinker because I have those moments where I remember wearing a jacket while drinking rosé. Whenever you're wearing a jacket when you're drinking rosé, that means you're a rosé lover. Yeah, you're, you're committed. <laughs> yeah, and you guys do. You're not doing huge production for your skews. Like it's, I don't think anything's over 500 cases, right? Right. So with the rosé aside, all of the wines that I've set aside uh, for us. To taste here today, we make 500 cases or less thereof. Right. In the case of um, two of the single vineyard estate wines, I'll share with you um, that speak to each of these properties. We make just 150 cases apiece, mm. so it's it's small potatoes. And you could do much more wine, right? Yeah, <laughs> I I, mean, it's I, not a matter of not having the uh, the funds to do it. It's just you actually want to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, where we're at, as far as our planning's up here on Howe Mountain, we're pretty much at capacity with, uh -huh. with what's planted. Um, we've actually um, broke ground and are in the middle of um, planting out a, a new 40 acre parcel in Oak Knoll. Um, wow. Which is, an, again, so some, it's a way of um, us kind of doubling down on our investment of wanting to farm our own fruit again with you know the values of organics and and just being kind of true to the to the land and being good stewards of, of farming right. um, so that allows us then to take offline some of that sourcing that we've relied on from local growers and be committed to to our own vineyards here but again don't hold your breath nothing happens quickly in the wine industry yeah, no it kidding. might be 2022 2023 till right. that comes right. online so right. okay yeah and, and, and giving the vineyard really time to get its feet wet so to speak and um really start producing some fruit that has some um intensity to it and whatnot yep. um so the um next one is a chardonnay yes i wanted to share a little chardonnay with you because again if there's any wine in our program that i think speaks to this vision of respect to pairing with food and just um wines being a little more hands-off in their approach and just letting sight and technique kind of speak for itself, um, it's our Chardonnay. So this is gonna be our 2016 um, Oak Knoll Chardonnay. 
Um, we actually work with Steve Mathiason as a viticulturist sure. to, to work on this project. Um, and that said, I think you can taste it in the glass, but there's a real vibrancy to the acidity in this wine. Yeah. Really, really bright. Um, it sees largely neutral French oak. Um, so again, we're using these oak barrels um, as a fermentation vessel and less for the flavors that they're going to give us in that end wine. Because um, again, we want we want all your all your home cooking and all your food to, to take precedence as far as flavor and, and, and respect to what's on the table. And then uh, the wine just kind of be a crutch and, and really kind of move it forward. Um, so like I said, the acid on this wine is incredible. Um, yeah. I did put some some not to make everybody at home hungry, but uh, some, no, some good let, local cheeses on the table. Let us know as we're tasting some of these wines, because you have this beautiful cheeses out and yeah. nuts and chocolate that like what, what um, and for people should who, we should be trying. Yeah, and for people who will be coming to visit, um, it'll tempt them and push sure. them along a little bit more. Well, and uh, I'll post these on our Instagram account as well. So as you're listening to the show, you can kind of check out the photos of what we're, uh, what we're having. So again, knowing such great produce here in the area, some of my favorite local cheeses come from essentially here west i used to live in petaluma and kind of the petaluma hills out to the coast mm -hmm. i mean like those commercials of happy cows come from california totally Bart and if, I are petaluma if i'm coming days, back so. reincarnated <laughs> make me a cow in like west county uh, two rock tamales area <laughs> yeah. where it's Especially a little cooler in the summer these, you see these um brushes that they they have on dairies and, and ranches now where they're like car washing brushes and the cows go and stand under them and they what? get their backs. You haven't seen that? No. no. It's a cow car wash. I've seen them doing it on the fence. Yeah, I, didn't no, know, they, I, didn't, I didn't know there was actually like a car wash no, thing like for the cows. No, it's like a car wash brush right. that rotates and the cows can walk underneath them and how do you, so if one's under there, how do you get him out of there? Like, does he sit for like 10 oh. minutes? The guy's like, ah, I'm sure, you know, someone comes along and weighs a thousand pounds and pushes you out of the way. Next. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so two of my favorite local cheeses, um, both a nice match with the Chardonnay here in your glass. So, um, on this side, uh, again, to kind of wave the Sonoma County flag, this is, uh, the Vela dry Jack from just off the square in Sonoma. Yeah. Uh, and then both these cheeses are gonna highlight uh, some of our preserves to come from our farm. So on the Vela is going to be our apple butter, mm. which for me, if you can pack all of the flavors of autumn into a jar, I mean, you think about like cloves, nutmeg, cinnamon, and that like warm, like baked apple kind of essence, that is it. Apple butter used to be a thing. Like when I was growing up, apple butter was something we would actually make sandwiches with. Mm -hmm. But I don't Same. see too many kids eating it these days. They're all about the the grape jelly and the raspberry jelly and all that. But um, yeah, apple butter was a big, well, that was a big part of my childhood. Yeah. So please help yourself to that. And then on the other side, if if I had to say, if I had to pick like one Northern California cheese to rule them all, it would probably be what... Um, the women at Cowgirl Creamery are doing. Mm -hmm. And so that's their uh, Mount Tam triple cream, right. cow's milk, uh, with a little dollop of our uh, Meyer lemon marmalade. Mm. Oh, that apple butter is really good. I'll have one here with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how the, um, the local cheese industry has changed in Northern California in the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really, really grown in very much in the positive way. Yeah. Well, you got happy cows, you got happy goats and happy sheep. Um, and that 
that Vela, I think, I mean, don't they win an award every year for one of the best cheeses in the United mm-hmm. States? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've even taken on French cheeses and, and taken home some golds. Yeah. 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 And again, it's, th- it's, it's something simple as this. I mean, everybody has a wheel of cheese in the fridge or, you know, can pick something up. Also too, a little local plug, the, um, the cheese selection here in St. Helena at um, Sunshine Market mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's it's almost to the same effect of like walking into Bottle Barn and you, and like the credit card comes really? out of your pocket and goes, yeah. ah, you know. Uh, is there a person working the counter, like a cheese yeah, person? Yeah, they have a full-time okay. cheesemonger down there. So you can taste stuff. Um, and- it's, it's all the local cheeses that you want as well as a good selection of, of imported cheeses from Manchego, all so. corners of the earth. Yeah. Uh, I kid you not. I mean, the display is, it's floor to ceiling kind of, it's, you need to pop in there on your way home. Okay. Yeah. Um, but again, everybody's got cheese at home. The combination of just, you know, some cheese at temperature, you let it temper, you get it nice ooey and gooey. Um, and you just put a a little bit of jam or or some preserves on there and enjoy it with your favorite wine. That's really nice with the Chardonnay. That goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, they're both very distinctively different, especially with the preserve on top and the marmalade. Um, but both of them complemented by the wine so yeah. much. Really, really nice pairing. No, I love the Chard too. And Stephen Tyson tends to wake, make wine with a little bit higher acidity. He, have you ever heard, I mean, he, he makes wines that are like 12%, a lot of acidity. And I've, I've heard him say this, that he works outside a lot. Mm-hmm. And so for him, he's like out in the sun. And when he drinks wine, he wants something that's thirst quenching, that has acidity, yep. making him drool. His wife works in the cellar, so she's always cold. So she likes wines that are like bigger, a little bit higher in alcohol. She likes mm-hmm. red wines, deeper, darker stuff. They make such a great couple because <laughs> you'll see that reflected in his wines. And it, he says it just has to do with what I'm doing during the day sort of reflects my wine style, Yep, which is interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we work with Steve on a, on a viticulture side of things here. Um, all of our wines are made by our own resident winemaker, uh, Laura Barrett. Mm -hmm. Um, she's been with us since, um, midway through the 2014 vintage. So 2015 was really her coming out, um, with being our winemaker and, and getting wines, uh, to market. Um, and she does a really nice job for us both as well, both in the sense of the expression of these white wines that just have this vibrancy and, and, and you can kind of really feel the life force behind them. I mean, they just kind of shake you to your core and go, wow, that's, that's really delicious. Super aromatic, um, as well as overseeing what we're doing here on Howe Mountain from a, a Cabernet Zinfandel side of things. Um, so she's been a, a real asset to us from a winemaking perspective. Yeah. Yeah, she, she doesn't. She basically does vine to wine at on the for the estate wines. I think I've heard her talk about. I mean, she's basically overseeing um, stuff in the vineyard as well, not just uh, making the wines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. she she's got boots on the ground and she's right. out there sampling and 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 knowing these sites um, completely, absolutely. Right. All right. So, so Tom, before we get into the next wine, what? What is your kind of food and wine background? How did you end up here sure. at Clifton? Yeah. You know? um, so to kind of go back to apple butter, I grew up in apple butter country, if you will. So uh, I, Washington? No. Um, <laughs> Amish country, Pennsylvania. No way. Yeah. Uh, trust me, the wine's not very, very good out there. Okay. It's better here. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, how did I, how did I get here? Um, so for me, if there was any 
kind of ground zero to my wine education and just appreciation for wine. Um, it was in the Finger Lakes of upstate New York. Wow. Um, my first job in wine was when I was 19 years old and it started out of just sheer curiosity. Uh, again, you see people walking out of a tasting room being 19 and these people have, you know, grins from ear to ear and sometimes a case of wine over their shoulder. And, and you, yeah, yeah, you start asking yourself, what's going on in there? And uh -huh. how do I get to be a part of that? Or it looks like fun. And so for me, it was, it was um, working at a tasting room in the Finger Lakes, like I said, when I was 19. Uh, I knew absolutely nothing about wine, but it was just from asking questions and, and, and just a curiousness of why do people discern, you know, I like this wine better than this wine. Well, what's so special about that one? Or why do some people like sweet wines, dry wines, you know? And, and so it really was just kind of running to the library and pulling out every book they had on wine to know a little bit more about it. Um, cause you got to sell stuff too at the end of the day. Right. Right. Um, so, so for me, knowledge has always been power. Um, and it was, through going to school, studying hospitality, uh, working in restaurants, and then too, um, from asking too many questions at a winery, I found myself working produ production for a number of years. Mm. Um, the worldliness of wine is something that definitely interests me. Um, the ability to travel, the ability to talk wine um, with people all over the world and, and share wine as kind of you know a staple to any kind of meal. Um, has been an interest of mine and is what brought me out here to the West Coast. And uh, Wait a minute, you worked in production and you're in marketing now? That's crazy. I know. Does that happen a lot, I wonder? <laughs> no, usually happens the other way, Bart. Yeah. <laughs> For me, uh, hospitality has always kind of been this pendulum swing. Right. Back and forth, right. back right. and forth. And uh, like I said, you know, production, you see it, you feel it. Um, it's you've cleaned everything. Oh, darn time right. to move on to something else. Well, <laughs> I would I would go back. But uh, yeah, wine is wine's a, a curiosity of mine. And, and I love it in in spades of everything it's able to show you. Um, and were you always a bike rider growing up? I mean, you always been into cycling. Yeah. So um, oddly enough, uh, one of one of my favorite places to ride a bike growing up and actually kind of where the training wheels first came off was uh, the battlefields of Gettysburg. Whoa. I mean, well-paved roads, no traffic, um, and it was huh. about 35, 40 minutes from where I grew up, and so we'd go out there and pack the bikes and just just ride. Um, and so for me, again, I'm guilty of drinking the Cliff Kool-Aid uh, in that I, on a day off, I'm on a bike, um, riding up and down Howe Mountain is one of my favorite things to do at the end of the day. Uh, again, it gets you that extra serving of something or extra yep. glass of something. Yep. Um, and, and the ride up Howl Mountain is challenging to say the least. <laughs> yeah. You'd, you'd want a cliff bar or two for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe a full on breakfast also. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, yeah, so is yeah, that so a requirement when you go in at cliff family or they say, do you ride bikes? Not at all. Um, but again, it, I mean, you can see our labels here. We've got a bike chain running throughout, or in the case of some of our single vineyard wines, we actually have a, a metal bike cog well, to kind of signify that. When we came up here, you said, do not go through the two gears that were down at the bottom on the fork. Mm -hmm. Now, what is, what is, if you go through the gears, where does that go? Yeah. So that's, um, unrelated to our property. But um, oh, essentially, weird. if you continue down there, it's residential, and then there's also um, a couple other vineyards at the end of the drive there. Okay. Um, but not not our gears. But funny how that works, right? That is really weird, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah. 
Well, they're okay. different types of gears. They're more mechanical gears than bicycle gears. But it's still, you know, to know, look at this, gear, you would think. Right. And that's why I'm sure you send out those directions and people will be like, oh, go through the sprockets, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Drive up to the hill. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into some some red wine. Sure. I think Bart's already ahead of us. Okay. So, I'm just smelling them. So I okay. figured um, we would start with, again, kind of how history brought us here on How Mountain. So we'll start with some Zinfandel. Um, everything I've got here today is our new 2016 vintage. Um, these are wines that were in the middle of celebrating their release. Essentially, September for us is typically when we'll release both our... Um, Estate Zinfandel, as well as our Cabernet program up here on Howe Mountain. Um, so that said, um, all of these vineyards are coming from sites at 1,400 feet or higher in elevation, which we were talking earlier is kind of a nuance of what we're doing up here on Howe Mountain. Um, in order to play with you know, Howe Mountain as an appellation um, and claim Howe Mountain as an AVA on your bottling, your vineyards have to sit at 1,400 feet or higher um, Which is it? Is there something like that somewhere else in the world where it's strictly based on your elevation? That's a great question. Um, I, th- if memory serves me right, I think there is a location or two. Um, I know it's unique to what we're doing here in the yeah. new world, especially you know Napa and Sonoma counties. Yeah. I mean, you I were mean, talking about Moon Mountain Moon having Mountain some sort has of a, definitely has a lowest elevation. Like in order to be a Moon Mountain. You you can't just be on that slope. You have to be above an elevation, and um, I I imagine there's something about Sonoma Mountain also, but not as quite as specific, right. um, I believe. But yeah, the fact that the fact that this that How Mountain starts at 1,400 feet. That's what's really unique. It's not like how mountain starts, you know, a hundred feet off the valley floor, right. and it's all encompassing. I mean, you go from fourteen hundred to twenty three hundred. You said uh, it's even north of twenty four hundred. Okay, twenty four hundred feet. I mean, that is it's the top part of the mountain, and anything down below is just Napa Valley or maybe another sub appellation. So mm-hmm. that is that's pretty special. Because you were mentioning there's a winery that's down below us that I think a lot of people would know mm-hmm. the name that just doesn't happen to be at that elevation. Yeah. And, and those, so, those, are the, those are the rules of the road. I mean, yeah. it's 1,400 even. I mean, either you sit north of that or south of that. And, yeah. and it's a matter of, yeah, it, it comes down to your labels and your marketing as to whether or not you can claim Howe Mountain right. as an appellation. I mean, yes, you may have a physical presence on the mountainside, but if right. you don't if you don't meet that 1,400 you're either in or you're out. Right. Um, so like I said, where we sit here today, we're at roughly 1660 feet in elevation. Um, so that said, the the first wine I'll pour for you here, uh, 2016 Estate Zinfandel, a yep. uh, wine that we call La Colina, uh, 100% Zinfandel. Um, and this is going to come from the north side, wow. um, essentially the northeast side of Howe Mountain. Um, and for me, this is, this, this wine lends itself to kind of those more smoky, savory sides of Zinfandel, but with a little more of that kind of bright red fruit and and nice acidity on the front end to kind of lead it through. Again, tannin-wise, it may not be what you consider Zinfandel of kind of Northern California to be, um, as it's a little lighter, a little leaner in style, but again, that lends itself to its food friendliness. I mean, to me, this is right in my right in my alley, you know, right, right. What I like. And, and yeah. I think the reason why is because it has a spice character to it. Uh-huh. Um, it has the red fruit. 
Um, it's not jammy. Yeah. It's not um, overly um, extracted. It has good acid. Um, yeah, it's really, really nice. It's beautiful. Beautiful wine. Thank it you. Is. And two, um, as we go along here, I'll point out some some food suggestions. Yes. Um, like I said, for me, anything kind of playing into that smoky, savory side. Yeah. Um, so in front of you here, I've got some um, smoked Spanish pimenton-style almonds, something that we make here in-house uh, at Cliff Family. Um, Are these both the same? Uh, no. So, so yeah, you'll want, you'll want those there. Um, but again, that Spanish style of smoked paprika, um, mm. really nice play off of that, that smoky, um, savory side of things. Mm. Um, I really like this wine with anything coming off the grill here yeah. in the summer season. Yeah. I think a lot of people look at Zinfandel and think that it's a tough sell for summer wine enjoyment as far as a varietal. No way. I think, yeah, you bring it out at, at like cellar temp and you bring anything off the grill that has that slight bit of char. Um, it may even, you know, it doesn't have to be a protein. It can be, you know, vegetables like grilled carrots, mm -hmm. things like that with a little bit of sumac or, or what have you. Um, I really like with this infant. Mm. It's delicious. I, you have some of those nuts and then go back to the wine and then coming out of your nose, you almost feel like you're, you're eating a rib. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you really do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great pairing. Great pairing. And I like this. I noticed in going through the the book for the people out here for tastings, mm -hmm. I, I hesitate to call it a catalog. It's more of like a newsletter. Um, but all the different um, uh, nut variations that you guys make, it's really, really cool. And then there's also... Um, there's a whole thing on herbs, right? That's, yeah, we do uh, spice, spice mixes. Spice blends, yeah. 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 And, and, and so most of that stuff is all you grow whatever you can to make those mm -hmm. and then, um, and, and they're, them up. they're also chef inspired. So they're, you know, from our context of enjoying these wines with certain flavors, certain foods, um, our culinary team and, and kind of the vision there is breaking apart the elements that we like in that pairing and putting it in the case of some of these spice mixes so that, you know, you, it, it, it's kind of just plug and play, you know, right. Take the wine, take the spice, um, and, and just kind of put it together. Yeah, make it easy for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. again, for I, I love the idea of food and wine pairing. For me, it's not this one plus one equals two. It's a one plus yeah. one equals three kind of scenario, where if you find something that works, just run with it. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these nuts are delicious. Awesome. What is this? That's on the side of the plate. Sure. Um, I just from walking around the property, I scooped. Um, some fresh lavender from the property here. Oh, interesting. Okay. So this is before it actually, um, blooms at the end mm -hmm. and then, then you get the bees. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, okay. I live Just with a, a dab behind your ear or, <laughs> yeah. or I should say underneath the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I live with a food stylist, so I, I, I need to pull out all the, all the stops for the, making food. Look and you give a little plug there. Yeah. Let's, mind. let's give a little plug. If, um, if you've listened to the bike goes on with, uh, with myself and Sandra Bernstein, Alicia deal was on, she's a food, uh, food stylist. And, um, uh, that is your partner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've got, you've got a, um, you got to live up to, uh, um, um, a little expectations. bit of yeah. little expectations when you're plating. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I need to, you know, show up with some delicious wine to wash it all down with. Right. She, she's the food on the wine and, uh, dinners at our house are typically pretty good. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Doors open. Right. 
awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So moving on then from the estate Zinfandel, I figured we would try um, probably what, you know, you made the trip here to Napa. Might as well try some Cabernet. Um, mm-hmm. and they so, grow Cabernet in Napa Valley? <laughs> there's a rumor about that. Yeah. Um, so we'll start here with the first of three Cabernets that I'll share with you guys here today. Um, this is going to be a wine that we call Kit's Killer Cabernet. Again, named after uh, one of our owners, Kit. And this is um, really going to be some of its parts. So this wine uh, is a combination of our two single vineyard sites. So Cold Springs, where we sit here today, as well as our sister vineyard called the Croquet Vineyard, which is five miles as the crow flies northeast of us here at at Cold Springs. Um, So this is essentially a wine that's built in cellar. We'll harvest the two blocks separately and then uh, build this wine um, based on what we're tasting in cellar and how the vintage has kind of put the two pieces together. So this is never just a 50-50 grab of the two. Um, For example, I've got the 2016 in your glass now. In the 2015 vintage, for example, this wine saw as much as 90-10, 90 Cold Springs, 10 Croquet. So it's a a wine that goes back and forth depending on, like I said, how the components come together and really how we taste it in in the cellar. And and some of it from availability because... I imagine you make those vineyard designated wines or at least pick those barrels first, right? Or is it really kind of all things are treated the same? Yeah. I mean, listen, we're, we're out to make the, the best kind of well-crafted wine of putting these pieces together. Mm -hmm. So yes, we've got the single vineyards that again are 150 cases bottled a piece. So what's in the vineyard in that vintage is going straight to bottle. Whereas the Kitts Killer Cab being a blend of the two shows a little bit more of our finesse, both in our kind of house palette, like Kit, for example, being kind of the the last person to sign off on this wine and say, mm-hmm. yes, this is a wine that I can stand behind. This is a wine that just has this deliciousness factor. Right. And then to it shows a little bit of, of our winemaker's palette of right. putting these pieces together and how they come together. Um, and two, um, I find that the Kits Killer Cab often tends to have a little bit more um, kind of approachability in its youth. Because again, we're talking mountain wines here. Yeah. And, and these are our current release at 2016. So yes, mountain fruit can be a little astringent, a little tannic in its youth. But if you know treated properly in the cellar and, and crafted to be a blend, you can really enjoy these wines at a younger time. Um, and this is the wine to do it, if you ask me, as far as what we're doing here. Yeah, this wine's very approachable in in a very good way. You know, yeah. it's um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't skip on any of the components that you're looking for. Um, and it's it's very yeah very approachable. When I've seen this wine get some high scores, I believe I, if you guys pay attention to that, I've, mm-hmm. yeah I've seen this one get some some nice accolades. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Look at and, the color on this thing too. Yeah. And so I'm sorry. So this is is this 100 percent Cabernet also? Um, not in this vintage. Whoa, okay. So this actually sees a little uh, component of Petite Syrah. Um, okay. <clears throat> which as just kind of an aside for that, I, um, was putting together a tasting group with some friends the other night and, um, our, th- our theme was, uh, California Italian as a way of kind of looking at past, present, future of 
California or Italian varieties here in California and the success of, and, and just kind of a temperature gauge of, you know, where do we think the value of, of these varietals planted in California are? Uh, and I brought a 1970 uh, Luia Martini Barbera that was wow. labeled as uh, California Mountain, which is actually Monteroso from the reading that I've done. Wow. And um, from talking to a friend of mine that used to work at Louis Martini, he was saying that he had had that same 1970 Barbera in a tasting with uh, Michael Martini. And that he said that due to the labeling laws back in the 1970s being a little more lax, that that wine could actually be as much as 50% Petite Syrah. And the life that that wine had today because of that addition of Petite Syrah was eye-opening um yeah you don't think of a uh, drinking a barbera that's 50 years old no um and i'm a big fan well, except of, barbera has you know crazy acid so you don't think about it but you can understand why it would still be alive sure you know and i guess if you combine some of that with some petite syrah that's right. off the books right it would they would they would tend to complement each other right Wait. so yeah. tell us about the wine uh it was incredible yeah um Yes, it was a mature red wine, but it it had some life to it. Yeah, um, it was a fun wine. Okay, so I just had the Cypress Grove, the Lamb Chopper. Yeah, I, I love the name of that that um, that cheese with the preserve and this Cabernet is that is a uh, a wine and food pairing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, the jam on that is a little of our plum preserve, and again the cheese. Another good local example of. Um, Cypress Grove, cow, um, their lamb chopper, which is essentially a sheep's milk gouda. Yeah. yeah Gouda. I love that cheese. Yep. And it's just amazing how it just, it heightens the fruit of the wine. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, going back to Louis Martini, do, do you remember going over Trinity Road and when you get to the top and then you start to come down, wasn't that a Louis Martini vineyard up there at the top? Um, no, there, there's a, there's a vineyard up there. Um, sorry, I'm drawing a blank on it. There's a couple vineyards up there. One of them is owned, um, by the family. That's a Sonoma winery on Cavedale. Remember uh-huh. you guys went there, um, the, from the Italian restaurant down in San Francisco. Okay. I can't remember the name of their winery. And then there's another winery up there. I don't think it's a Louis Martini. Okay, though. I just remember seeing that sign. So Louis Martini, most of that fruit was most most of Louis Martini fruit was on the was s- was Monterosa. Was Monterosa. Louis Mar- Lu- Martini owned Monterosa. Mm-hmm. They didn't they they didn't plant it. It wasn't or it was planted before, but they bought it. And then when Gallo bought Louis Martini, they also bought the Monterosa. Gotcha. Range. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so the like going back to that bottle that I said I had the 1970 Barbera, um, from the reading that I did, those vines were planted in I want to say either 36 or 39, um, but the person who made that vintage was uh, Louis P Martini, who was Louis's son, who was kind of the intermediate winemaker between Louis M Martini and um, Michael Martini. Huh. Okay. Interesting. So again, if, if you have the ability to seek out any of those wines, just the history that those wines can tell as far as just vineyard sources here in Napa and Sonoma County and yeah. kind of blurring the lines between the two, yeah. 
and you can actually find a good availability of those wines. Where did you get it? Yeah, Louis and Martini and then Larkmead Wines, um, they have some old plantings of mm-hmm. things that are labeled something very random. But yeah. um, The other thing that you see um, old Monterosso labeled as is um, Mount Pisca, which I don't know the significance of well, that. That is the peak that's there is Mount okay. Pisca. That's the name of the peak. Yeah. So Moon Mountain is, I don't think Moon Mountain is, that's more of a given name by the um, community, uh-huh. but it's called Mount Pisca. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sam, so, Sam would know so again, you kind of have to look around and, and read between the lines as far as the labeling. Cause again, you'll see it as California Mountain, Sonoma Mountain, Moon Mountain, um, what have you. But where I found that wine was, uh, that was actually a, a wine bid score. So, oh, they, they, did they offer it or you went looking for it? I went looking for it. Okay. Which I do a lot of that. Go looking for wine. Really? You got an interesting seller? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And are you a fan of aged wines? Yes. Okay. And (laughs) so is it because of the history or is it because you actually like those flavor profiles? Um, yes, it used Aged wine used to be a tough sell for me just yeah. based on flavor. Right. Um, but again, from just a curiosity in wine right. and and a love of history and, and just kind of getting to the nitty gritty of why is this relevant? Why should I know about this? And connecting the dots of not only site, but, you know, producers, winemakers. I mean, you can really do a deep dive of of just all the wines you love and why they why you love them or how they got here based on kind of looking to the past. Yeah. And so I think Louis Martini is a great example of a really deep cellar and collection of wines that still have relevance and, right. and are kind of equating to what we're doing here today. Right. Um, another local plug press restaurant here in St. Helena, they, they've operated with almost, I, th- I think their program is exclusively California um, and maybe even exclusively Napa's, I think they've got some number producers on the list too. But um, again, you, check out their list. Um, they've got s- some really good kind of who's who and, and winemakers that worked on projects before they had their own labels. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and for me, like in welcoming guests from out of town to Napa or, or you know, hosting a tasting up here for, for folks on Howe Mountain, um, if there's one piece of kind of a takeaway that I love to give people, it's a sense of, of history of, you know, we weren't the first people to do this. I mean, look at us here at Cliff Family. We've only been making wine since 2004. Right. There were people that came well ahead of us to lay the groundwork. You can say the same about Howe Mountain going back to the 1850s, 1860s. Um, that again, none of this just happened overnight. So kind of connecting the dots and, and seeing how all this falls into place yeah. with the history and, and, you know, not only the past, but where we're going. Yeah. Um, well, I just asked the question because it was one of those things for me, you know, when you grow up watching James Bond movies and he's ordering the 64 Bollinger yeah. and, you know, you're like, man, that must be really good. Like James Bond can have whatever he wants. Right. And then when you have your first like older wines, you kind of go, well, wait a minute. Yeah. That doesn't taste like I thought it was going to taste when you're used to bold fruit. Yeah. Um, and then you taste wines that are like forest floor and wet leaves sure. and you're like, but, it, but it was always the history because, you know, in school I didn't, you know, you talk about history. It was one thing, but when you equate it with food and alcohol and then you start learning oh, yeah. your history, through history food is way and alcohol, more fun to eat. And drink. I was way more interested yep. in that. Yep. Um, so then, then after you, you know, start drinking aged wines, you start to appreciate not just the history, but the flavors, but it, it took a while for me as well. Yeah. 
yeah. It, it's funny you bring up James Bond because um, I used to think that I really liked martinis uh-huh. based on James Bond, having never had one. Right. And then I ordered my first <laughs> martini, you know, shaken, not stirred. Right. right. And gin, not vodka. Yeah. Let me just say, martinis didn't taste like I thought they did in the movies. Yeah, it wasn't like Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> it's only alcohol. A couple more olives, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, this cab is beautiful. Awesome. Um, so then, to kind of break apart this wine, um, because again, this is a component of our two single vineyard properties. Um, we'll taste each then as a standalone example. Awesome. Again, this will continue the trend of what we're tasting here in 2016 yeah. with our current release. Um, so on your left, then I'll pour, uh, 2016 cold Springs coming from the five and a half acres in which we sit here today. And then next to that will be our 2016 croquet vineyard. Um, it takes its name. There's actually a Olympic size croquet field as part of that property. Wait, an Olympic size croquet field? A proper croquet field. So I don't know about you, but the only croquet I grew up with was, you know, your dad would ask you to mow the lawn and then, then, you know, you had to, you had to do the chores first and then you could play croquet. You, well, yeah. And that was when was family like, you know, came to visit, right. you know, you kind of got out the croquet set and right. dusted it off and yeah, you right. know, the wickets were all bent and you know, the, you might have mismatched balls and right. it was something that like you know kind of sat in the back of the garage and right when family came to town you'd you whip it out but um so this the vineyard takes the name of croquet as it was almost kind of this like field of dreams kind of story in which the previous owner of this property um had this if you build it they will come kind of mentality of he was a avid croquet enthusiast uh and as it's been told to me this guy was um he was a newspaper baron um owning like the sacramento Bee and a couple other newspapers in the central valley and um with that money he built this croquet property um it had some vineyards um and it was a place for people to come and and play croquet so when we then took it on it was a matter of do we keep this? We know very little about the game of croquet. Um, again, it's a sticky wicket. <laughs> if you look at a croquet field, I mean, the grass is like a putting green, right? So it takes yeah. a lot of upkeep, a lot of maintenance. So it was yeah. a matter of, do we plant vineyards? Do we keep it as such? Right. And it became something that was so unique that let's just keep it as is. So it's something that we have incorporated into like our uh, wine club. So every spring we'll host a rosé and croquet party. Oh. You know, we'll, you know, swirl glasses of rosé, play some croquet, dress up in pink or white. Yeah, do you got to wear the funny clothes? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, know. you remember um, Sonoma Catrere? Well, I was going to say that's the only place that I had ever seen right. um, people playing croquet was they used to do um, Derby Day and the Council on Aging would do a fundraising event to, um, to raise money for Meals on Wheels. Okay. And, you know, all the local chefs and winemakers would get together and, and take over Sonoma Couture for the day. And it was, I always thought like, what is, what is all that stuff for? It was the, it was the huge croquet field. Yeah, I mean, it was just a big space that I always thought could have been used for <laughs> landscaping or vineyard right. or parking. Right. <laughs> right. But there's some people who are just into it. Yeah. So that said, my uh, my croquet game has has gotten a lot better here in the last couple of years. Oh, of working yeah, for you Cliff got Fan. the skills, huh? Yeah. And you, you like, you know, put your foot on one of the balls while you hit the other ball. Yep. And, yeah. All the tricks. Yeah. Yeah. It's all. It's kind of coming back to me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. These are these are incredibly 
different. Yes. Um, so with these two wines in your glass, um, rather than sort of, you know, telling you about it, I'll pass this around. I've got, um, I've got some soil samples here. Cool. Um, that'll really speak to just how dynamic the soils are here on Howe Mountain and how quickly you can change from one soil to the next. So the first soil passing around here, uh, which is coming from the Cold Springs Vineyard, like I said, where we sit here today, um, a lot of that alluvial ash, the first time I saw that in a jar, I thought to myself, how does anything grow in the soil like this? Right. Um, so a lot of what you see here of this alluvial ash soil is um, really kind of the result of uh, Mount St. Helena, just north of mm -hmm. us in Calistoga. It used to be an active volcano. And this is kind of what is then left of the eruptions of that from many millions of years ago. And it's that sort of style of soil that you see a continuation of starting from Calistoga all the way south, if you kind of follow the Silverado Trail. Um, so you think about like Stag's Leap and kind of the craggy peaks there. Right. Um, a lot of volcanic activity. Well, and the amazing thing about that soil is, is when you walk through it, it just, it's like talcum powder dust. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are solid dirt clods and rocks and stuff, but when it's been, if it's been dissed or worked, it just kind of turns to dust and mm -hmm. you walk through and it just, it goes poof. Yes. Um, really, really amazing. Really different. Yeah. You walk out of a vineyard with soil like that and I mean, it's this white dust that covers your boots. Yeah. I mean, it looks like you were at Burning Man <laughs> and I have not been to Burning Man, but you know, at, you know, on the Tuesday after Burning Man, you see all the cars driving through the valley or driving home and they're all have that white dust like yeah. ash on yeah. it and and that's what I always likened it to. Yep. Whereas the red soils, yeah, completely different. Yeah. So the red soil then that you see, like I said, the difference here of the two soils are a change that is is um, just five miles apart from from vineyard to vineyard. And so the red soil there but, is, but on opposite slopes of the mountain, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're here at Cold Springs on the southwest side of of Howe Mountain, where the croquet property is going to be um, to the northeast. East and and that like I said is is kind of the last frontier before you fall off the mountain into Pope Valley, so we'll harvest these vine these vines about two weeks apart from one another. Cold Springs here in your left glass is um, the coolest site that we work with. It's always our last pick. Typically, the week of Halloween is when we're we're picking that fruit. Um, but the red soil again, it that's crazy. Yeah, it has more of that. Um, it's what's called Aiken loam. So it's going to have a little bit more um, uh, water retention as well as it will um, retain heat uh, much more so than that kind of sandy um, ash that you saw in the case of the Cold Springs. And do you know how different the winemaking is on these two lots? Very similar. Um, Same oak regime? Yes. So these wines both see about 20 months in oak. Um before fermentation, they see about a three-day cold soak. Wow. Um, there is a, a lot of um, work to just manage tannins here, knowing that we are up on Howe Mountain. I don't know if you if you took a look at the fruit out on the vine, but if you look at the clusters themselves, they look stunted compared to what you might see just miles from us on the valley floor. I mean, I would say these clusters look about two-thirds the size of what you might find on the valley floor. Yeah, they're not as... I mean, Cabernet is, can, can be long and stringy. Um, 
big spaces through the berries and and these are definitely tighter bunches mm-hmm. shorter yep um yeah more concentrated and the other thing too is i mean when you actually pull a berry from the vine they in size look more like blueberries than yeah. grapes up here yeah. and so right out of the gate you're getting much more um skin to juice ratio as seeds as well so the tannins that you're getting right, right. out of the gate um, with the with the fruit up here yeah. um, is a lot more to manage than more of those unctuous juicy grapes on the on the fertile valley floor yeah what's a ton per acre like ratio comparison yeah um that's a great question i don't between know between the two vineyards yeah um I, I mean because they're both kind of grown same farming and both at elevation, maybe probably not different. Not probably a huge different. difference from the valley floor, right? But probably not a huge difference within from each other from from mm-hmm. the yeah the areas. But yeah, they're just so dynamically different. Totally. Yeah. Um. The this one. What's the one on? Yeah. And tell me the the one that we poured first sure. was the the one that we poured first is the Cold Springs. So okay. again, this speaks to all the vines that right. encompass us here. That on we're the surrounded today. by right now. Hundred percent. Okay. So the Cold Springs to me is is a little. It's a little rounder, um, but it has this amazing like cherry cherry cola um, mm-hmm. uh, flavor to it that really kind of resonates. Um. Uh, the the croquet, croquet yep. um, seems to have a, a more of a wow. it, it almost seems like it's been in more new oak um, the oak shows a little bit more yeah. but it has a lot more depth a lot more tannin mm-hmm. um, yeah they're both it's just so amazing that they're so different yeah like I said the croquet is is the warmer of the two sites right so for me when I have these two wines next to each other in the glass um, for me, it almost becomes a, a matter of the Cold Springs being a little more feminine in nature, mm-hmm. where the, the croquet is a little more masculine, a little more brooding in its kind of classic Howl Mountain structure with its tannins. Great, great description. And I find Cold Springs to be um, a little more inviting in its youth. Again, the tannins are a little softer, uh, a little more kind of bouquet. Um, and for me, if you had to ask me, what do you love about Howl Mountain and its expression in Cabernet, I would say, and I don't know if this gets a little too romantic, but I find Howl Mountain wines to smell like the flora of Howl Mountain. I mean, like to smell the rocks, to, to, for me, like if, you, if you've ever put your head in, stuck your whole head into a blackberry bush, mm-hmm. not only do you get the smell of those ripe, you know, juicy black berries but you also get a smell of the green leaves you get a smell of that um like the the woodiness Mm -hmm. of of the actual you know bunches of of blackberries hanging there on i mean it's brambly that is what bramble is right right Right? so for me the combination of that brambly woody you know uh berry essence as well as you know you look at you look out the window here i mean we've got things like um you know, wild sage and um, um, manzanita, right? Things like that. Yeah, a lot of madrone, manzanita, a lot of pine up here, also. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So again, I find the the cold springs to be a little more kind of graceful or, or feminine in its in its nature, especially upon release. But then the croquet for for that mountain cab lover, or again, in the to bring it all back to food 
kind of that steakhouse red where you just want some some protein and you know i'll do i do lunches up here where i serve this wine alongside a, a cut of beef called beef culotte where we'll do like a yeah. um like uh, we'll essentially capture the drippings and do like a beef fat jus that we do with a little inclusion of, of some cabernet and this wine with all of the flavors of that dish is just a knockout i bet and and so too i, I find these wines um to be very interesting as to how they age. Um, the Cold Springs, I just can't get enough of it in however it shows itself, whether young or, or a little more mature. But the, the Croquet is a wine that I encourage people to buy now and sit on it, enjoy it, you know, enjoy a bottle or two now, but I find this wine to really come into itself within that three to five year period, especially with food and then there forward. Yeah. And what were the first vintages that were made from this property for like, you guys? Yeah. Um, I want to say it was either 2011 or 2012. Um, 2012 is when we converted the farming here to organics. Okay. Um, and where we've really kind of seen a development both in quality as well as yield and just overall soil health and, and vineyard health um, that's really kind of taken these wines and, and the vineyard to where they are today in their expression. Yeah. So. Um, and, and two, knowing that you've got these wines in the glass in front of you, uh, the other bite on the plate in front of you that's definitely worth incorporating here is going to be a uh, chocolate bar that we've started making in the last okay, year. Okay, let's year talk about this. Let's talk about chocolate and red wine. Okay. Okay, because I'm sure you've heard, or maybe you haven't, some winemakers are adamant about not serving chocolate with their wine. Mm -hmm. The reason being, now typically if the chocolate's not dark enough and there is mm -hmm. some sugar in there, that the wines will then taste astringent. Mm -hmm. Um but, but I've, I've seen it in a lot of tasting rooms and, um, you know, I'm sort of of the mind that it, you know, a Banyuls like, a mm -hmm. um, which is probably like the ultimate, um, thing to have with chocolate. But tell me, is this something that the owners came up with and enjoy or, and you personally have signed on, like you think this is a, a good thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so again, through our love of wine and food, um, just in the past year or two, um, we have built um, chocolate bar pairings to s specifically pair with our wines. So even in the case of, um, we've put out a white chocolate bar that sees an inclusion uh, of ask, um, okay. some uh, uh, preserved lemon and a little bit of ginger. Wait a minute, what does that go with? Uh, Chardonnay is okay. what I recommend it with. Yeah. Um, and let me tell you what, that was a really fun day of working at the winery where you sit down and you know you're eating all this chocolate sipping it with all these wines and it's a matter of how do we get wine to pair with chocolate right yeah tough day right yeah um but so from that we identified that yes chocolate is a is a great vessel to pair with these wines especially these mountain wines that you need something to 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 really accompany them and, and mitigate those tannins, especially in their youth, if you're gonna try these wines young. Um, so in the case of the, the bar in front of you, um, this is about 74% cacao. So it's a really good dark chocolate that'll lend itself some natural bitterness uh, to compete with the tannins here. And then this one also sees an inclusion of um, some ground espresso beans, working mm. with a partner of Equator okay. Coffee here in the Bay Area, yeah. where we'll take some of their espresso beans uh, and include it in the chocolate bar to again, enhance kind of that bitterness mm -hmm. um, and play off of some of that astringency. I mean, the thing you have to remember here is that they have 
some science behind food, right? With right. the cliff bars and all right. the cliff products. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like they're just they're like throwing. They're not getting a Hershey bar at, at, at right. the store and right. throwing it I out mean, there for their wine. They have food laboratories. Right. Um, they have a background in it. And um, it's sorry. And you know what? Maybe it's a bit personal. <laughs> it's a bit personal right now because I'm going through this at 16600 with serving chocolate with the wines. And I'm like, mm, don't know if I really want to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and I know where you come from. Like, I think yeah. that it has to have the right application. It has to be good chocolate, too. Right. Um, and and I find that this this is a positive enhancement of the wine. I wouldn't put it on the plate if I didn't think that was the case. Yes, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold on. But I think this is actually gonna work better with the chocolate. Is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. The croquet. The croquet. Yeah, yeah. And I I just tasted it. It really goes with the croquet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where the um, Cold Springs, it's more of a contrast. Where the um, the croquet it just it's kind of melds together. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, fruit and chocolate. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. So again, these wines. I um, give my I give my uh, the seal of approval. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll keep doing Psalm, that. The yeah. Psalm seal of approval. <laughs> yeah, totally. You are no, wearing the, your you are wearing your pin today, the, right? What? <laughs> no. But the white chocolate sounds really interesting to me because I've thought about that before. It was white chocolate is a completely different animal. 100%. Right. And so that's, that's something that I, and especially adding something like ginger and lemon into it, that would be really fun with um, some different white wines. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that kind of hits to a T what food pairing should be. Is it shouldn't be overthought. Um, it should be fun. It should no. be experimentative. Um, and it's a matter of just, you know, do I like this? Yeah. My, my favorite thing to do, and I, I might've, I probably said this 50 times on the podcast before, but it's the, it's the best thing for people to do at home to get what we're talking about. When you talk about food and wine pairing is get a Sauvignon Blanc, buy a lemon, uh-huh. open up the Sauvignon Blanc, try the Sauvignon Blanc, get a lemon wedge, suck on the lemon wedge. Now try the Sauvignon Blanc your mind is about to explode (laughs) because what happens is the acidity in that lemon sort of cancels out everything in your palate. And when you go back to the Sauvignon Blanc, it almost tastes sweet Mm -hmm. and it tastes much more round too, because it, then it starts to envelop the inside of your mouth. That's what food and wine pairing is. It's, it's, it's the science of how you're either mirroring or juxtaposing. In that case, you're sort of mirroring the, the acidities in the uh, Sauvignon Blanc. And then it makes the wine taste completely different. Yeah. And in a positive way, not in a negative way. Yep. Chefs always want you to do the, the pairing for the, um, for the people so that his food tastes better. Mm-hmm. And wineries always want to do a food and wine pairing to make the <laughs> wine taste better. Mm-hmm. But when, you, when it's really done right, it actually elevates both. Sure. Yeah. And we're here at Cliff Family, we're invested on both sides. Like right. I said, I mean, we've totally. got a culinary program. We've got our own, you know, food essentially being grown up here on the mountain with our farm program and we're serving it alongside our wines. So it's, we've, we're, we're letting it all kind of hang out and, and you decide yourself as to, and for me, like it's, it's a seasonality piece. I mean, here we are growing great produce, um, making, standout wines year after year and um again you put the two together and it's it one plus two doesn't equal two it's it's three and then right. some right so 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 this has been a really cool um 
introduction to what happens up here on the mountain. If people are coming to um, Napa and they're going to go to Velovino, mm-hmm. what is that experience like? Sure. So, um, and, so yes. Are they tasting the same wines, different wines? Sure. So we have a tasting room uh, just south of uh, downtown St. Helena. Right. Or just north of the A&W. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> have you been to the A&W there? Uh, we go to sounds a, like it. So we so we go to a swim meet every year at St. Helena uh-huh. High, which is coming oh, yeah, up yeah. in about two weeks. Yeah. Okay. And when we leave, that's the reward for Dane to um, swim. Are we talking about a root beer float? It's a root beer float. Yeah. 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 Okay. How do they, how a, do, they do it? That the, the the root beer at the restaurant at A and W tastes leaps and bounds beyond. Oh anything. right. Right. Uh, there's something. Well, we there. grew up with an A and W in Petaluma. Remember that yeah. was where. Is that where, God, well, it's not where Sonic is now. It's, it was over uh, kind of by where New no, York Pizza. It was Pizza. on Washington Street. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and it was, I mean, Brian and I are old enough that they did come out. You pulled into the drive-in and they came out and brought right. your food to you. Yeah, and put the tray oh, on the your tray window. on the window. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, A&W was kind of a, a staple. You know, the soda guys will tell you it's the ratio of the, um, the gas or whatever. They, they somehow make little adjustments on your soda guns. Okay. And the amount of syrup to soda yeah. can can make it an incredible. Well, you okay? Maybe you haven't. I'm gonna let's say guilty pleasure. You've been to McDonald's. McDonald's Coke for some reason is like one of the the best okay. in the United States because they got their ratios down. If you go sometimes you go to a place and they don't have the right ratio and it either tastes watered down or it burns the back of your throat because they have so the the ratio's not down properly. Okay. And then I worked on a yacht out on the San Francisco Bay. We would calibrate our soda guns in port. And then we would get out on the huh. bay and because the engines were running the soda gun differently than it did when we were in port plugged in, uh-huh. you'd get complete completely different taste on the sodas. Yeah. Oh, so, I, I believe it. Um, Alicia's grandfather is a diehard, and I kid you not, diehard diet Pepsi fan. Okay. Like to the point of, you know, diet Coke is, you don't even say those words. In right. This house, right? <laughs> uh, but he, he swears by draft soda is better than anything you can get in bottle or can. Right. And I mean, he'll even shop around based on who's got the best yep. draft diet Pepsi. Yep. Well, and I mean. You know, since we're going down this rabbit hole, let's face it, it, canned products, whether it's wine in a can or Pepsi in a can Uh um, or in a bottle, it all it's all about how it's handled after that. Sure. You know, if something's left in the in the back of a truck and it gets up to one hundred and ten, it's going to change the component of it um, in the can. And, and that's just that's true no matter what. Yeah. Um, So that's so I think it. So. To finish the story, I think A and W there, they have their ratios down on okay. their gun stuff. So when you get a root beer float, it's gotta be. I think it's gotta be a little bit stronger in the carbonation and flavors mm-hmm. because you're dumping vanilla ice cream into it. That they that's probably gotcha. a, something they think about. Right. Okay. Yeah. So after you've had your root beer float right. at A and W, continue north. Right. Uh, look on the left. Beautiful transition, <laughs> by the way. Right. You, you can taste that root beer float on your palate, right? Right. Yeah. Mm, that was good. Mm, um, so gorilla. now that you've had your root beer float, uh, continue north and, uh, like I said, just south of downtown St. Helena, across from uh, Farmstead Restaurant, we have our tasting room for Cliff Family Wines. It it. Previously one under the moniker of um, Velo Vino to kind of speak to our um, cycling connection there. Um, but today we just call it Cliff Family Winery. Um, and there is where you'll find our food truck. 
Um, Which let's talk about that a little kay. bit, okay? Because you're doing flatbreads out of the food truck. Yes. Right? So uh, we and it has a name. What we've lovingly it? called it the Cliff Family Bruschetteria. Yes. Bruschetteria. So again, okay. the the concept here is taking. Uh, kind of unpacking Gary and Kit's cycling travels across the Dolomites and a lot of Northern Italian style street food that they've encountered there. Um, so for us, bruschetta is kind of the no pun intended vehicle in which we will, you know, deliver a lot of this produce that we're growing ourselves up here on Howe Mountain, uh, keeping things super seasonal, super fresh, and and also very um, interactive with, with pairing with our wines. Um, we also have a full on rotisserie as part of the truck uh -huh. so um, we'll do like Mary's organic chickens uh, rotisserie style from the truck and then all of your favorite kind of again Italian street food items things like arancini uh, things like Frito Misto oh. um, yeah to kind of highlight flavors and produce I was kind of excited being up here but now you're making me feel like, <laughs> feel like a, well, we, we need to make have, a trip down we, there. You do have to drive home, Brian. That's right. So. Okay. That's right. I'll set you guys up. Um, so yes, the food truck there. And then um, they also are kind of a hospitality spot for us where we'll do a number of different events. Um, we've got one upcoming here this weekend. We've got, we'll do a concert series every summer. Um, one in kind of the height of summer, which we call our summer solstice. Uh, in June to, to celebrate the, the solstice and we'll host a, a concert on the back patio there. And then we've got one upcoming this weekend, uh, which is our harvest moon concert. Mm -hmm. So it's in celebration with our, um, September and October launch of this new 2016 Cabernet and estate Zinfandel, um, as well as, you know, celebrating the harvest and, and getting people together. And sometimes it's the last time you, you see people before, you know, Thanksgiving and you say, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll, well see it's you the last time you see your winemaker. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> for, for a while. Exactly. So, yeah. um, so we'll, we'll get some music together. We'll have the wines flowing and then, um, have the culinary. And what kind of music do you guys generally like? Sure. Um, as far as what we're doing, um, this is called, um, kind of like it's, it's like a Bay area kind of swamp rock blues kind of it's, it's what you can, you know, get up out of your seat, dance with a glass of Cabernet in hand and, right. and have a good couple time. of red wine stains on your shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't wear white. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so we'll do, um, two of those throughout the summer season, um, as a way of, again, just getting people down there and excited about our wines and, and the, and the space there. Um, but otherwise, um, it's a great hub. I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, cycling in Napa Valley is a great place to, to get on a bike. Um, so we do bike packages, um, out of the tasting yeah, room. I so you that. can, you can either come with a bike in hand or, um, you know, um, ask us to, to procure a rental for you. Um, we work in collaboration with the Calistoga bike shop. Nice. Um, where when you go to the website, there's actually suggested rides. There's like eight different mm -hmm. rides that you can download to your Strava. Yep. Um, that are all oh, wow. cliff, family yep. advocated rides and yeah. and there's there's everything from the easy gentle ride around St. Helena to um, climbing the mountains yep yeah it's very very cool um thing on the page yeah it's it's great and again it, it caters to all abilities if, yeah. if you are looking to you know rather than doing taste room after taste room after taste room and just you know having wine 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 you want to you know stretch your legs go for a little bike ride see the area and then end in you know a glass of wine and, and a lunch um it's a great place where again if if you're looking after you know people of all abilities and and you want to do a eight mile just kind of 
lazy vineyard ride. Yeah. With a basket We've got that for you. Yeah. 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 You know, with, with some <laughs> snacks along the way. Right. Or if you want to do the full Monty and, you know, go up and down Howe Mountain and maybe have a couple R and Chini extra because you've, you've right. put in the miles there. Um, we've got that for you too. Nice. Um, so it's a lot of fun. So of all these wines, uh, so, so are you distributed throughout the United States? We have no distribution. So everything is available directly to the winery. Yes. Yeah. So, um, as far as these wines go, because again, this started as a passion project of Gary and Kit and an extension of the wine that they were making essentially to share at their own home. Right. Um, as far as these wines go at the moment is we've got a couple of placements here in Napa Valley, a couple of restaurants that will have things by the glass or by the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, it's our wine club and it's coming to either see mm-hmm. me up here on Howe Mountain um, for a tasting or, or for some lunch um, or experiencing the wines in our in our tasting room. Yeah. Um, beyond that, we participate as a member of um, the Howe Mountain Growers and Vintners Association. So we'll get on the road a couple times a year and do pourings in San Francisco. Or, okay. um, we've taken some wines to market in um, across Texas. So the markets of Houston, Dallas, Austin. Um, every other year we'll go as, a, as an appellation and, right. and share our wine that way um, but other than that it's it's really coming and experiencing it with us yeah. and, and seeing what we're doing here which if you had to ask me is is ideal I mean absolutely it is. I yeah. mean you think of all the wines that you can pull off of a grocery store shelves and have no context as to where they came from or a sense of place or or how they're interrelated with the other wines that you might enjoy I mean here you really have to come and sit in front of us and, and, yeah. and experience it with us to, to see and taste these wines. Yeah. So, so that said, I, I encourage anyone, um, who might be thirsty, uh, you know, after hearing us dissect these wines and, um, or with a passion of, for how mountain or wanting to know more, uh, to come out and, and pay us a visit. And is this available to wine club members? Is this available to the general public in terms of coming up here and Absolutely. actually doing a taste? Yeah. yeah, and maybe explain what your wine club is and how you know releases are. Sure. Um, so the wines that I shared with with you all here today um, speaks in large part to what we're doing on the estate level. So it's mm-hmm. these are vineyards that we're farming uh, and growing ourselves uh, that speak here to Howe Mountain. Again, we work with some other local growers um, to source some fruit from other Appalachians in the case of like the Rosé, for example, coming from the Mendocino Coast. Um, so some things outside of, of our zip code here just in St. Helena and, and Howe Mountain. Um, so yes, people can come and experience uh, Howe Mountain with me up here on Howe Mountain. You don't need to be a wine club member, um, open to the general public. Um, and again, Howe Mountain is so unique in just its serenity, if you will. Um, I mean, you get up here and you walk out the door and you don't hear cars, you don't hear traffic, yeah. you don't hear you know babies crying, any of that. It's, I mean, if you're ever up here at night, the stars are absolutely incredible. Oh, I bet. There's zero light pollution, and yeah. all you hear are owls talking to each other yeah. from, from all the trees up here. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's a ground squirrel. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get it. Yeah. And so it's it's a really special place. So whether it be someone coming to Napa for the first time mm-hmm. or somebody that feels like they've just, they've done the valley floor experience, um, the, I, I, I truly feel that all the magic of Napa 
county exists in the mountains and the hillsides um, to just get out of the valley and explore what's being done here at Elevation. Um, So I would encourage people to come up and and, and taste with me here. Like I said, um, we're big foodies and and love including a food component and cater to any kind of dietary requests or or any food allergies um, or experience us down in the tasting room in in St. Helena. And is this when people go on the website, is this one of the options that they can select is to come up here? Um, or I'm do they sure have to actually ask for it? Yeah. Again, we're a little off the grid up here, even though we're about 20 minutes from St. Helena. I mean, I send everybody, you know, rigid directions as to make sure that yeah. you find this place. All right. I mean, I barely get cell phone service up here. Right. Um, so, um, first and foremost, I'd recommend people shooting me an email. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you can find me at, um, uh, T is in Tom inners, I N N E R S at cliff family.com. Um, feel free to, to shoot me an email there, um, or, um, find us via our website or our tasting room and, and we'll make sure that we connect the dots to, to get you up here to this special property. And if people, uh, is to stay up here, do you have to be a wine club member? Um, you do not. So okay. we do have, um, a lodging component up mm-hmm. here on the property on our cold springs, estate vineyard, um, that, if you're in the area and are looking for a kind of vineyard experience yeah. um, or for some lodging, uh, again, that's something that we can offer. Bart, we need to start some sort of tour company where people come and stay in the vineyards. Like we were recently at Kanzler over uh-huh. in West Sonoma and in Sebastopol, and, and you can actually stay at the house sitting there surrounded by these beautiful Pinot vineyards, maybe stay there for a couple of days. And then you're like, okay, let's move up to cab country for there a couple of days, go up to Mendocino for a couple of days. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, it would. It I, mean, would. I mean, I don't like moving that much, but I, if, you, <laughs> if you, if you just had a backpack, will you let people jump in the pool if they're here doing a tasting and it's a hot day? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not talking about jumping in today. I'm just thinking, you know, okay. No, no diving. I'll just There's say no that. Di- okay, yeah. no diving. Okay, yeah. that's a good answer. Yeah. And you probably have to keep your clothes on. <laughs> For the most part. Depending. Yeah. depending. <laughs> you say dead air. <laughs> yeah. What happens on How Mountain stays on How right. Mountain. Okay, good. Right. No, I like that's Tom, a good answer. I was wondering, is anybody from the company actually going to listen to this? <laughs> well, that, you know, that, that was an interesting part of coming up here is that, you know, we sort of took the back door into Cliff Family Winer because sure. a lot of what you guys have out there is corporate and polished, right? Because they are sort of a corporate company, Mm -hmm. but we appreciate the fact that you kind of let us come in and, and, um, you know, our little podcast come in and, and talk to you on, on a level like this, because I didn't see a lot out there that was, um, you know, guys like us coming to the winery. And it seems like until you start investigating it, you can almost have that mindset of, Oh, it's the cliff bar people. Um, so they have a ton of money and they can do whatever they want. And then you start looking in and doing a little deeper dive and go, Mm -hmm. Oh, they're actually doing small lot. Mm -hmm. Um, they're farming organically. Mm -hmm. They're making these cool little products. Mm -hmm. It's more of a lifestyle, um, company than it is. It doesn't seem like they're in it to really, they're not trying to make a bunch of money from making the wines. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's funny you bring that up because I mean, you can look at the dichotomy. You can find a cliff bar in every grocery, every 7-Eleven, every convenience store yeah. in the country, right? Um, our wines, we have no distribution of. Yeah. Again, everything I shared with you here today, we make 500 cases or less there. Yeah. Um, if we wanted to play that game, we could. Right. But it's not something we have interest in. Right. Yeah. Cabernet flavored Cliff Bar. <laughs> 
Delicious. That sounds really good, actually. <laughs> you know, Zinfandel, Zinfandel um, protein bars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, it's not happening. So, yeah. So we're here to kind of share this as an extension of our love of wine and food. It's awesome. And hope awesome. That, that people like the wines. Yeah. Um, that's and, and, that's really it. Yeah. And Brian, I, I really appreciate how you say that because you're right. You can you can just go, oh yeah, cliff bars and they have a winery on the side, but there's a lot more than that here. That, I mean, that was my initial thought process. Right. And then I started kind of digging in and was like, oh, this is actually really cool what right. they're doing. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, a little shout out to Campo Velo, um, a bike event that goes on here in Napa Valley in, I want to say April, April. Yep. Um, it's a three day bike event. Yep. And Cliff, um, Cliff family is a huge supporter of it and a huge sponsor of it. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's a great event, great three day event, all sorts of things that go on, um, uh, different bike rides and whatnot. Yeah. And it's a great event that also has grown in that you don't need to be just an avid cyclist to participate. They've added Correct. things like yoga and hiking and even mountain biking components. But again, if you're a, a lover of f- food, wine, and then you add a bicycle to the component, it's a great weekend yeah. um, where you really have the mountains and the hillsides of, of Napa County on display as a, as a place to ride a bike and enjoy yeah. it all. Yeah. 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 It's a great event. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I can't thank you enough for letting us come up here. The sun is starting to come out on the vineyard. Um, and you guys could tell from the time I got out of the car, I was in heaven here. This is like, uh, yeah, it's a little slice of heaven up here. I can't believe that this is your office, man. You, you know, are never leaving this job. Yeah. And don't let them know that. You still <laughs> want to get your raise every now and then, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really tough to go home here some days. I don't know yeah. if you'd believe that. I mean, again, I live just off the square in Sonoma, which is its yeah. own beautiful place. Oh, shout out to Todd Jolly. So you were saying you're right down the street from Sonoma's best, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. I'm in there essentially my, my weekend is Monday, Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So my, my ideal day off is, you know, sleep in, walk down to Sonoma's best, grab a coffee, bring a book. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, while you're there, you start looking at all the wines and you go, well, what needs to come home with me? And right. Totally. And then if you've done, you know, your bottle bun and shopping the week before you, you know, you go, nothing needs to come home with me, but right. something always does. <laughs> you have a couple of the peanut butter and jelly cookies and right. Oh man. It's right. yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't run into Bart. He, he basically lives there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's harvest season. Now. I'll be there more often. Okay. okay. You know, I'll, I'll buy you right. a cookie next right. time yeah. I see him there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mondays and Tuesdays. I'll be sure to look. Okay. You're probably yeah. out in the back sitting under the uh, umbrella. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much. This has been really awesome. Um, everybody get out there, uh, go to clifffamily.com and check out some of these wines. And, yeah. The wines uh, are beautiful and you don't necessarily have to be a wine club member to purchase wines, right? You can go right on the all. website and have them sent right to your house. Yeah? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Or if you had any questions, um, again, shoot me an email, um, um, T inners, I N N E R S uh, at clifffamily.com. And the same thing is true. If you have, um, any interest in paying a visit up here to this magical place, um, would love yeah, to walk which you. I highly recommend. I mean, you can go to a Chateau St. Jean or Cundi and there's nothing wrong with that. They're beautiful properties, but if you want to, you know, come to wine country and do something that's a little bit, um, this is the way you really want to mm-hmm. taste wines in wine country is, um, is come sit down, spend an hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. in a beautiful property and sit down with someone like yourself and actually go through the wines and hear the stories. Yeah. This is the way to do it. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
And we didn't even get to that cheese. I don't know what that cheese is for. It's been staring at me. <laughs> well, you, you just didn't, it didn't come around to your side. You didn't quite reach far enough for it. There you go. Ooh. Mm. Dead air while Brian eats <laughs> the cheese. I'm sorry, but that's beautiful. And I think we're about to open possibly a wine from uh, Howe Mountain going back um, several decades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me grab those. But yeah, I figured we would tell kind of the, the history of Howe Mountain here and, and look at some of our local neighbors. Should we open one of those while we're on uh, on the show or do we want not want to tease people? <laughs> I, think, I think that's done. This goes back to that, you know, if you're still listening right. at this point. Right. What was the um, discount code? Uh, uh, discount code for 16600, 50% off wines. If you, uh, <laughs> if you do discount code Casey. <laughs> no, wait, Casey Jones. Casey Jones. I'm sure Sam would be totally fine with that. And at Dane Cellars, it's uh, 10% off <laughs> of the 16 Chenin Blanc yeah. podcast. Um, Discount code podcast, podcast, right? And a shout out to Plant Girl as well. And then another thing, you know, harvest is um, harvest is on here in Sonoma and Napa counties these days. Um, I'm looking to get uh, my Chenin Blanc next week, which will be the week that this essentially um, this this show airs. Um, I think Sam's still. A couple weeks out, but they must have some rosé coming in pretty soon and some Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, Isabel was in. Isabel came in the other day with um, uh, rosé with Grenache that she had picked some from the top of the vineyard and some from the bottom, and she was thinking that it was going to be ready within a week. And okay. I know there were some people that said maybe not, but uh, I mean, I would trust her. She just came <laughs> back from the vineyard, right? Um, so, you know, by the time this episode is aired, both Sam and I have probably um, started. Um, some of you uh, may or may not know, um, Brian is throwing his head in, or into the winemaking. Or my eye, or as it eye. were. Yeah. Oh, poor Brian. <laughs> Brian got injured in the vineyard the my, other day. Yeah. And it's one of those things Sam and I are shaking our head going, maybe he's not cut out for this winemaking stuff. Yeah. But um, Brian is uh, getting into the winemaking this year. He's making some Roussan from the Rossi Ranch. Right. So we've been having lots of discussions of winemaking styles and right. supplies and whatnot. So we're we're all very excited to support Brian in his Yeah, I want to let all the listeners out there know that I've never had anything to sell on the show, unlike these guys. But I will uh, I will sell futures in my <laughs> in my Roussan. <laughs> Just some way to make some money off this freaking show. <laughs> I was thinking about T-shirts at one point, but I, I don't know. Um, but the Rosanna is from the Rossi Ranch, planted in 1910, and I'm I'm excited to to uh, uh, to finally make wine. Which um, thank thank you, Bart, for uh, for yeah, helping we're, me. We're out. excited for be... you. I mean, Brian, you are one of the most passionate wine enthusiasts that I know, and um, you always ask a question with intention, not just to ask a question. Right. And um, so it's going to be fun watching you go through this process. It's going to be fun watching you struggle with some of the aspects with it. Um, just because you, you have to have a little bit different mindset when you're making wine, you know, 
Some right. things that you think are going to happen don't happen, and you have to take a different right. turn down the map. Right. Um, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, I am. I am modeling the Roussan after the 2009 Consgard Chardonnay, the Judge Vineyard. So if you've had an opportunity wow. to try that, um, can uh, I pre-order a case then? But, of yes, you can. Okay. It's uh, it's four hundred dollars a bottle. <laughs> 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 and, uh, um, yeah, Bart and I will be happy to, to sell you some, um, no, we're going to, we're going to try and make a really good wine. And, and, um, and I want to give a quick shout out to, um, Cindy Costco from Passaggio right. and Steve Law from McLaren. Um, right. they are hosting me, um, in my winemaking these days where we'll be making Brian's wine. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to share their space with them and they've both started Harvest. Um, Cindy's already got in a number of wines, some Tempranillo, some Pinot Gris. Tempranillo Rosé, right. Um, uh, Steve's got some Sauvignon Blanc and some uh, Pinot Noir in, and uh, now we're all just kind of waiting for the next wines. Okay, now... Cindy was getting in her Chenin Blanc today. Oh, nice. Is she getting it from Lodi? Yeah. Okay. So if you have hung around long enough to still be listening, you're in for a treat. Yes. Well, we're in for a treat. So... But you can listen to so us. So I wanted to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to sweeten the pot here and, and yeah. reward you guys for making the trip up the mountainside here and, and uh, come from Sonoma County and see us here on the Napa side of things. But uh, I pulled out two wines to add some context to what we're doing here at Cold Springs and uh, as Cliff family uh, to kind of pay homage to really the pioneers up here on Howe Mountain. So um, from my own cellar, I brought here today um, a 1989 uh, La Hota Howe Mountain Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> I like that. Hello. And next to that, a 1989 Barringer Bancroft Ranch Vineyard Merlot. So both of these are our immediate neighbors here at Cold Springs. Um, so I've got, I poured first the Barringer, which is in your left glass. Yeah. Okay. And then the Lahota Cab just behind it then in your right glass. So can Ooh. you can you talk? I mean, can you talk a little bit about the history of Lahota? Do you know much about it? Because Lahota is no longer is Lahota Winery still a winery? Yes. So so what who I owns it. Now? Yes. So what I know of Lahota, I fell in love with these wines. Oh my god! Essentially, from having them in in these older contexts. Um, Lahota for me was kind of my first introduction to Howe Mountain. Um, I would say Lahota and Dunn, kind of those mm -hmm, first mm -hmm. two. As far as again, if you want to talk about timelessness Cabernet that are, is being made here on Howe Mountain, those are the first two names I would throw out. Yeah. Um, so Lahota, my understanding of it is the the winery sits at the end of Las Posadas Road, which wow. again, as you're coming up Howe Mountain, you make the right hand turn, you kind of um, yield here to Cold Springs. If you continue, you go past um, the Abreu Vineyards and Las Posadas Road um, passes some good mountain biking trails and dead ends at La Jota. And from what I've read is the, the winery there um, was built in the 1880s. Um, it's an old stone winery that still exists and there still is oh. some production being is, done there. Is that the building that's right on the corner when you make the turn or is it far? No, up? it's at the, it's at the okay. far end. So there's um, a little residential piece there and, and some vineyards. Uh, and that, that winery sits at the very end of, of, um, Las Posadas road. Um, but like I said, there's still some winemaking being done there. Um, but, um, my understanding is that 
Kendall Jackson has acquired La Jota right. as part of their oh interesting um, higher they're very high end yes so okay. so um, right. should you want to visit or taste La Jota wines on a visit to Napa um, you would have to go to they have like a salon in Calistoga in which they taste hmm. the uh, probably not this wine probably not this wine yeah <laughs> um but yeah, this, uh, these wines are great, right? And, and so then next to it, um, the expression of the Bancroft Ranch, particularly in the case of Merlot, has been, th- this is probably my favorite Merlot experience that I've had. I've had some other older vintages of this wine. Uh, the 87 is absolutely a smoke show. I wow. mean, it is incredible. Um, I've had the 92, I've had like 93, 94. Um, this is the 89 here in our glass. Um, but as far as just mountain expression of Merlot of all things, this wine really has something to say. Yeah. So thank you for being, uh, my guinea pigs yeah. here today and, uh, cheers. cheers. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for, um, thanks for sharing those with us. It's really, yeah. really special. No, good wine is, yeah. is better in the context of, you know, good friends and people that, that get it. So, um, I've been looking for an excuse to open these wines, and today seemed like the great, ex- we'll great example. Back, we'll be back tomorrow. If you <laughs> right. else in the, uh, Dinner fridge. will be at six. Uh, <laughs> get some other wines. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah, both these wines are great. And like I said, I think that for me, if there's anything to kind of take away from from How Mountain, it's the timely timelessness of these wines. I mean, they're incredible, right? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, they're 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 both incredible. They're both very much alive, um, showing their age very respectfully and very gracefully. <sighs> I love the meatiness on this Lahota. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful wines. Yeah, yeah. Please don't be bashful. There's yeah. plenty here. Well, um, thank you very much for hosting us. Um, everybody, get out there. Cliftfamily.com. Cliff, Cliff, C L I F. Right. Yep. Cliff, yep. get out there. Check it out. Find a bike ride when you come to Napa. Right. Use their Strava to follow it. Um, attend Campo Vallo next year mm-hmm. and uh, come up here on Howe Mountain and, and taste a bunch of really great wines. Yeah, Tom Enters, thank you. We really appreciate you My letting pleasure. us come up here. Thanks for making the trip. Yeah. yeah. And um, you're going to let me know when you give notice at this position. <laughs> <laughs> Call me first. Okay. <laughs> right. okay. You're on the short list. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys, leave us a review. Um, you know, we'd love to have five star. If you want to leave us a four star, that's okay. But anything else, <laughs> just just leave it. Um, we don't really want to know. You can send, actually, if you have a, a bad review, just send it directly to uh, Ed Silla at Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and he'll deal with that um, if we've offended you in some way. Um, check out past episodes at radiomisfits.com. You can also find us on Stitcher on I don't know. Hulu? I don't know. YouTube? No. <laughs> no. Whatever. But also check out The Bike Goes On, um, also on the Radio Misfits. Oh, cool. Yeah. If you um, want to hear um, if you want to hear about Tom's other half, mm-hmm. you can actually, and about food styling, mm-hmm. you can go to thebikegoeson.com or radiomisfits.com uh, slash the bike goes on and check out Alicia, the real deal. I've named her. Does she, does anyone else call her that? Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, she's like an MMA fighter for me. I call her Alicia the Real Deal. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.